Welcome to the Forward Minds Podcast. I'm your host, Joy Asfar. Join me every month as we meet entrepreneurs and innovators who are propelling change in the world of sustainability. Listen to their stories and discover how they are shaping a new lifestyle. Jessica and Sydney, thank you for joining me today on The Forward Minds. You founded Kimai in 2018, a jewelry brand using exclusively lab-grown diamonds. Diamond is the most popular gemstone. It became part of a culture. We see it in movies. We even call it a girl's best friend. And I'm very excited to talk to you about why mine diamonds are not forever. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joy, for having us. We're very excited to discuss all of those different topics with you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. So we will focus on the specifics of lab-grown diamonds and how innovative they are a bit later. But I want to start with your personal background, because I know you've been in that industry for a while. Do you want to tell us how you met? How did the Kimai adventure start? Of course. So Sydney and myself, we both grew up in Belgium and have known of each other and known each other kind of since we were young. And actually, for those of you who don't know, Antwerp in Belgium is the capital of the diamond industry. So mm-hmm. that's where most of the diamond trades happen. And therefore, we've grown up with family in the diamond trade and have always been around diamonds and jewelry our entire life. And so then I basically moved to London together when we turned 18 to study over here. And it's at that point that we became closer around the same passion Happy. around jewelry. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so that's how we met. And as said, we've always been around diamonds and jewelry. And with the years moving to London, getting out of our comfort zone, we personally became more and more aware of our impact, more aware of our purchasing decisions. And we're looking at all kinds of industry from fashion to beauty, even food. Yeah. And like newer brands, younger brands coming in with more traceability in their supply chain, but also more approachability in the way they were talking to their customers. Mm-hmm. And actually looking at the diamond and fine jewelry industry, it's an industry that hasn't evolved at all over the past hundreds of years. It's been talking and marketing their products in the exact same way as they were marketing it to our great grandparents. Mm-hmm. There's many controversies in the industry from child labor to blood diamonds. And we just felt that the industry wasn't talking to us anymore as younger customers. But at the same time, jewelry has always been a huge part of our life the emotional value that is linked to it, the fact that like it's something that never gets out of fashion. I would say you can carry it over from one generation to another. It's a special piece that you receive from your grandma for a special occasion, etc. So we wanted to make this available to younger customer in a more transparent and in a more ethical way. And I guess that's how we came up with Kimai. <laughs> That's so exciting. And why Kimai, actually? I always like to ask the question of the name of the company, if it's something that we don't understand. Yeah. So basically, we wanted to have something that's meaningful to us. And Kima in Hebrew means sustainability. And okay. sustainability is at core of Kimai for a company. And yeah, so that's how we came up with the name. Amazing. And how did your family take the fact that you were branching out and looking into sustainable diamonds, lab-grown diamonds, where you were in your family, maybe with more traditional type of diamonds? Was it like a surprise for them? 
So Jess and I have like, for example, my parents, they were quite young. So they're a bit more open-minded labyrinth diamonds. Also, my father is a jeweler and he's not a diamond dealer. So maybe that's why, even though he used mine diamonds for his jewelry, I think he was seeing also a transformation in the industry Mm -hmm. that people are more down for labyrinth diamond because of traceability and everything. So he wasn't that negative about it. I think definitely my parents are more traditional, but I think what's yes. important to note is that our main point was like we want to figure out a way to make that industry relevant to us, more transparent. Mm-hmm. And how we came up with the idea of Labyrinth Diamond and Kimai, etc., is by talking to people in the industry. So we heard about Labyrinth Diamonds the first time by talking to diamond traders directly. So definitely my family is a bit more traditional. They have been in the industry for years. We always say like, we're not trying to educate our parents because they've been used to doing things in a certain way, haven't thought about the impact, etc. But at the same time, like, because they're in that industry, they also see what is happening. They see the demand for Labyrinth Diamond. They see the switch in customers' wants. So like, they do understand something is happening, but they're not going to be our customers. Right. So also you have to think about in Antwerp today, in the diamond district, a very big part of diamond dealers actually are doing both today. So they're dealing diamonds and mine diamond, which I think it's really interesting. So they're definitely seeing an opportunity that they want to jump in it as well. Okay, amazing. So there's definitely a shift moving slowly towards lab grown diamonds. Yeah, especially since here, because we launched a brand like three years ago. And I think a lot of customers back then didn't know what lab-grown diamonds were. Mm-hmm. And today, it's, I don't think it's mainstream, but it becomes more and more popular. Absolutely. I just want to zoom out slightly so that we can give our listeners a bit of an idea if they don't know lab-grown diamonds and mine diamonds. So the diamond industry is about $80 billion industry. If I'm not mistaken, the lab-grown diamond sales are about $2 billion. The mining industry, as we all know, has been really heavily criticized for the supply chain, very opaque supply chain, as you were mentioning. In a couple of words, or maybe in a couple of sentences, what are the main issues of mine diamonds, if you had to summarize them? There are many different issues. Like the first one would be like the social impact of mining. So there's a lot of children working in mines. There's been a lot of mines that has been sponsoring wars in Africa, we need to dig deeper and deeper nowadays in order to get less than one carat of diamond, which means that like we're leaving huge holes on earth and even relocating entire population that live around those mines. Then on top of it, like there's so many middlemen in the process of digging a diamond out of a mine until it gets to its final owner and there's no way to trace where those diamonds come from. So kind of like social impact is huge, environmental impact and the traceability of it. Absolutely. That makes total sense. And so you decided to focus on lab-grown diamonds and you were telling us that you came across lab-grown diamonds with dealers in the industry that were using it already. Can you tell us what they are? We kind of understand it because it's lab-grown, but how is it made? What's the production process? So basically, to give some context, a diamond is 100% made out of carbon Mm -hmm. and usually it grows under earth into a high pressure and high temperature environment. And today, thanks to technology, we're able to reproduce that environment, meaning a high pressure and high temperature environment, but in a lab, so in a more controlled place. And we're able to grow a diamond in the exact same way as it would under earth, 
but without the social and environmental impact of mining. So those diamonds are chemically and physically identical. Even a diamond trader or a certified gemologist won't be able to tell them apart. And we often like to compare it to give some context. For example, ice in a fridge or ice in an iceberg. It starts with water and it has the same result, but just in a different environment. Yeah, that's a really good analogy, actually. Yeah, to simplify things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. And you kind of visualize it and understand that it's outside of nature. Exactly. So that's Labyrinth Diamonds today. With the years, we've been able to perfect it more and more until it got to like jewelry diamond quality. Mm -hmm. Okay. And any downside for lab-grown diamonds? I've been reading, and I know it's controversial, but energy intensive. Yeah. So there's definitely many big companies are trying to react to that trend because it's important to note as well that like diamond mines and diamond companies are owned by huge companies that have a lot of funds and are kind of scared of what's happening with that new product and new change because those labyrinth diamonds also come at a discount, of course, of mm -hmm. 50 to 70% discount compared to mine diamonds for the exact same product. So a lot of people are saying they're energy intensive. That's what I read the most. Yeah. 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 But mm -hmm. we basically, for traceability at Kima, we really focus on, we work with our suppliers of lab grown diamond suppliers who use actually renewable energy and try to become better and better. We don't, especially for us, one of the values that we have is not trying to be perfect, but trying to be better every time. Mm -hmm. When we launched Kimai, for example, we didn't use the 18 recycled gold at first just because it's really hard to find a good supplier and everything. So we're just trying to become better and better every time. We are still creating a product. You can't be 100% sustainable and we don't want to do greenwashing either. Absolutely. No, definitely. But it's important to know that like the energy used to mine a diamond compared to the energy used in a lab is uncomparable. There is no social impact, etc. The social impact, obviously, is a huge issue in the diamond industry. And it seemed obvious to me that, you know, it was better the lab grown. But because you read a lot exactly. of these comments, I think it was important to just talk about it. And as you were mentioning, the price of lab grown diamonds are making it a lot more accessible to a larger population. And the brands like yours are also targeting a larger population as well. Do you think that this important price difference will create even more stronger resistance from the larger brands, for example, like, you know, owned by the big corporation that we were mentioning? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Because we wanted to make Findry more approachable in every sense of the way, make it super friendly and less maybe stock up, less snobbish, we would say, but mm -hmm. also in price point, we are more affordable than any other Bound Street brands. And also, I think we, we kind of like, especially our generation, we kind of shifted our priorities in terms like we value much more experience maybe we don't want to spend thousands in a diamond like maybe no. your grandparents would you know and the engagement ring thing was something that was invented by the beers in the 60s i think not super long ago and it was just a marketing campaign so i think our priorities have shifted however we still want to wear fine jewelry we still want to wear diamonds because we just love it Yeah, absolutely. And we want something special and we know that it's a really special piece of jewelry. Exactly. So yeah. it's in a way trying to reconcile the sustainability side of it, the intention. And as you say, I think our generation is really looking for storytelling, honesty, transparency from the brands, which obviously you have. So, so that's really interesting. Another question that I had is for girls and people who 
slightly no diamonds. We always talk about the four C's. I'm sure you're going to tell us more about it, but is there the same type of classification for lab-grown diamonds? Yeah, at Kimai, we certify stones above 0.50 carat, and they're certified by actually the same labs which certify mine diamonds. So we're talking about GIA, we're talking about IGI, and it's exactly, as just mentioned, it's chemically exactly identical to mine diamonds. So they are also like graded the same way. So they have the four C's. At Kimai, we really focus on high color and high clarity always. So we are looking at D2F, which is colorless. There's no tint to the stone. And then in terms of clarity, we're looking at VS2. And it means uh, very slightly included. So you wouldn't be able to see the inclusion with the naked eye. Okay, got it. And you mentioned that it's very hard for even experts to see the difference between a traditionally mined diamond and a lab-grown diamond. It seems completely crazy that if that's the case, why do we still continue to mine diamonds? It's an industry that has been around for a long time, and we are not going to change people's perspective overnight. A lot of people are still unaware of lab-grown diamond. A lot of people, when you hear lab, you just don't understand what that means, and you can see it as fake diamonds. So our role as a brand is to educate the customer about their impact, but also about like those labyrinth diamonds, what they are, to understand that those diamonds are real diamonds, that the FTC even has changed the definition of a diamond by taking the word natural out of it, really, again, to showcase that labyrinth diamonds today are real diamonds. But it's it's a process where what we're seeing and we're thinking of as well is like in the future, most people will go for labyrinth diamonds unless it's perhaps for like very rare colors or very big stones Mm -hmm. that are more like kind of investment pieces. Other than that, like most pieces you buy, is it mine diamond or labyrinth diamond? The value of the mine diamond isn't going to take up over time. And that I think there's a lot of misconception. There's a big lack of education and that's what we're here for. So let's see what the future brings, but that's how we see things as well. That's exciting. And do you feel that the perception since you've launched Kimai two, three years ago has changed? We launched three years ago and then we, because we were introducing lab-grown diamonds to, actually it was the UK market at the time, we thought it would be clever maybe to launch just the fine jewelry, the everyday pieces, not investment pieces that much. But actually we received so many demands from customers who wanted to do engagement ring. And that's why we decided to launch engagement ring just because we had the demand, but we thought it would come much later. But actually, people are more and more attracted to the idea of having a lab-grown diamond engagement ring, which is really interesting for us. There's also more information available online. When yeah. we launched, it was really hard to find any info about what a lab-grown diamond was. Even articles online, it, have, it came out maybe every six months to a year. So there's definitely been a huge switch to the market. Yeah, and the interest also in sustainability is increasing everywhere, especially on our generation. So that must help. And I mean, you've been dealing with customers for three years now. Who are the customers you think that are the hardest to convert to the idea that a lab-grown diamond is a real diamond? I think like it gets me back to the point about, like for example, my parents. Like they might be the hardest to convert, but they're the one we're not trying to convert. Again, like it's people that have been in a certain industry that are more traditional, less open-minded to new technologies, new industries, but those aren't our customers, right? We often say that like we're the generation, we're still a generation that maybe like our parents weren't conscious when we were born, when we grew up, but we're 
educating ourselves, learning every day, trying to do better, trying to be more conscious about our purchasing decisions. But then when you look at like the Gen Zs or like the younger generations, they're the ones that are really like born conscious. So today we're educating customers that are open-minded, are willing to make a change to their lifestyle, are willing to do things better for the planet and for the people living on it, but they are still learning. But then in a few years, those customers are going to be the ones that are going to teach us new things every day. That's for sure. We keep, that's what I love about the sustainability space, whereas it's fashion, diamonds, jewelry, is that it keeps on changing and it's ever evolving. So we keep on learning. We're never at the top of our knowledge. You know, it's always changing. So it's, I find that really exciting on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So to build upon this, with Kimai, you tackle the transparency issue of the supply chain, but you also try, as you mentioned very quickly before, to fight the marketing that was being produced around diamonds for many years, which was always targeted around men. And ultimately, when you think about it, it's only women wearing the final products and finally making maybe the final purchasing decision. You mentioned very quickly the De Beers story about the engagement ring. Why do you think that is? What's happening? And what are you doing to change the storytelling? Many industries have been that way in the past, where like it was always about the men purchasing it for women because women didn't have as much purchasing power as they have today. But today, when we were actually looking at our campaign for engagement ring, looking at what other brands were doing, all we were seeing was like women dressed up as if she was going to a gala with the perfect men. And the messaging was focusing on how much the men can afford the piece. What we're seeing today is that we're evolving, we're working, we're able to purchase our own pieces. We don't need to wait for anyone to like purchase pieces for ourselves. So we've seen a huge switch on that end in general. Then we've made it a big focus for us as well. In terms of like the campaign we've launched with engagement rings, it was a woman wearing jeans and sneakers on her way to work with her ring. So really focused on her and her ring rather than seeing the perfect love, the perfect couple with a huge stone. So that's one part of it. And then, yeah, so that's how we try to do it in general. All of our fine jewelry pieces, most of our customers are women. We talk to them directly. We're more approachable. I think also for engagement, it's actually changing. We receive a lot of clients who are women and then sometimes we don't deal with the guy. Sometimes we deal with the couple. So it's more like a couple project than just uh, like the guy buying something special for his wife. Yeah, which in a way it should be a couple yeah, of projects exactly. if you think about it. That's super, super, super exciting to see. Yeah. Also like on the website, we have the moment we have seven engagement rings. Some are more traditional. We have those edgier design that definitely are not classic engagement ring that you could see elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And those have been super popular as well. So I think women are changing. They want something a bit more, maybe more modern and edgier. And that's also super exciting for us. Absolutely. I love the design and I will post the picture on our show notes of the drop one, which is really beautiful. It's a really beautiful ring, the one that drops with the diamond on your finger. I don't know the name, but I think it's a great one. <laughs> so you've seen changes since you've launched. You see couples coming in. So the storytelling is changing. My next question is about traditional brands like the Beers seems to be also investing in lab-grown diamonds under a different brand, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, correct. Do you believe that at some point, and maybe in the near future, lab-grown diamond will be more sought after than traditional diamond? Is it going to take over the industry at some point? <laughs> I don't know if we're biased, but we might be, but we definitely think 
Yeah, 100%. And as I said before, there's a misconception, misinformation, a lack of information. And now today, like people have more and more access to information, are able to get the answers to their questions. And what we're seeing is that people will switch more and more to Labyrinth Diamond. Because as you said, like, what's the point in mining if you can have the exact same result without costing the earth? I mean, absolutely. It sounds like, you know, we shouldn't even think about it. That's why it's crazy when we hear about mine diamond. As soon as people like understand what those diamonds are, that's when the switch happens. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, it's hard because we launched digitally. We don't have a store or anything. So we tried to do as much as we could online just to educate those customers on Labgun Diamonds. Also think like the more Labgun Diamonds brand will come on the market, the more people will feel comfortable, I guess. Absolutely. And also you had a whole year of the pandemic, which is really not easy. You managed recently, as we were talking about, having some real life events with customers. Very important part of a lab-grown diamond is showing it's to see a lab-grown diamond, to see that it looks like a real diamond. I say that in quotes because which one is real, we don't really know. So I guess like the fact that you're going to be able to do more pop-ups and meet your customers in real life will definitely help. What's the reaction of uh, people who, you know, if I go one of your events and there's a woman that's never seen a lab-grown diamond, is she really surprised by the look of it? People that aren't gemologists or diamond traders, like no one can really tell a difference mm-hmm. between any kind of stone. But I think like for them to see it and maybe place it next to like a piece that they've already owned, like definitely gives credibility. But what we've been seeing is, well, there's been a huge wrote in online purchases of jewelry in general. Like jewelry wasn't a product that people were purchasing online just because it has that higher price point. But people nowadays are much more comfortable buying those pieces online. With social media, we're able to showcase them the pieces as best as possible. What we do offer as well is that we get on calls with customers to answer any questions they've got, to show them the diamonds, the product, okay. etc. So that also helps in credibility. Pop-ups definitely helps, like having a retail presence helps to like convert maybe those that are more traditional and more hesitant on the topic. Mm-hmm. But we've seen it being quite successful online, digitally, and we're seeing more and more even bigger jewelry brands starting to sell higher price point products online. Okay, that's great. I mean, that's really good to know, actually, because I guess the same comparison would go with art. I used to be an art dealer and at a time, people would never even consider buying yeah. art online. And now there's a switch slowly that people are very comfortable, as you say, to buy online. So you're an ethical, transparent brand. And on top of all of this, you also have a business model that is even more sustainable because it's based on monthly drops, which allows you to be less wasteful. Is it hard to work with a made-to-order model with lab-grown diamonds or is it actually easier because you can control the production? The main point at first was like, we started the brand with no funding, so we couldn't commit to inventory. So it kind of really helped us to like launch a brand with very little means, test out the market, test out the pieces that are performing well without finding ourselves at the end of the year with like inventory that isn't going to sell. So it's definitely super useful. And even when we launch new products monthly, we do pre-orders so we can see what products are performing well, which one are performing not as well. And we can really quickly take a product off the website, reintroduce the new one without having huge costs, huge inventory and a lot of waste. So we see it as being super, super useful. And we work super closely with our labs as well to get the right diamonds, to get them on time, etc. So that hasn't been an issue. Yeah, it's a lot more sustainable as a model to work Definitely. like this. And how long does it take to produce a lab-grown diamond? A couple of weeks, actually. Okay. 
Yeah, depending on the carrot weight for sure, but it's just a couple of weeks. Okay, amazing. Well, that sounds quick enough. I don't know if it's quick enough for you, but it doesn't seem very, very long. And so to kind of finish our discussion, why don't you tell us about the next step for Kimai? What's the future in the next couple of months? What do you have in store? The things that you can tell us, of course. Hopefully offline presence <laughs> as we were talking. So like having that balance between online and offline is definitely something we're looking forward to. Cool collaborations that are coming out and develop many new drops. Yeah, we also have, you didn't mention, but we also launched last year a men's bracelet, which had been a great success for us. So developing maybe the men's collection, also the engagement ring collection, because it's also been a great success and people are more and more interested to buy a Labron Diamond engagement ring from us. So it's just a lot of like new pieces coming, like you said, new pieces every month. Christmas is big for us as well. Absolutely. And do you both design? You're both designers. You both do the drawings or do you have specificities, each of you? Sydney does the design. Okay. Manages the production with the production team. And I'm more of like the business. Business development. <laughs> yeah, but we do select the pieces all together. But yeah, that's how we divide the business. Amazing. And just to finish, if you have maybe one sustainable advice to give to the listeners in terms of a lifestyle, or if you made yourself a simple switch recently, what could you tell our listeners? There's one brand, I forgot the name, but basically put labels on their clothes. And each time you wear the clothes, you need to take it off. And basically to show that, like, you need to think of how many times you're wearing that piece that you're going to purchase. Oh, I love that. So I think like being more thoughtful with the purchases and making sure those are pieces that you're going to keep for the long run. And in general, like we both don't eat meat. <laughs> so good. I think that's a huge impact in terms of sustainability. So that's you, great. Yeah, take no it meat. out even like just no eat meat. it on yeah. the weekend or I don't know. Yeah, that's what I do. I try. I don't eat it during the week and sometimes, you know, over the weekend and always exactly. you know, in a good restaurant or something, but not, exactly. I don't cook it at home. So I think it's step by step. It's all about taking one step towards their goal, but like it's impossible of being all in from day one, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I would also recommend our listeners to watch the Netflix episode that you gave me, which I watched yeah. and really enjoyed. So thank you so much about that. Thank you for being on The Forward Minds. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you so, so much for having us. It was great and hope to meet you in person soon. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Bye.